Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We're looking at five essential components of a healthy church. What makes up a healthy church? And I use the human body as an example. I said, someone can be skinny. Hmm? Like Agbani Darego, former Miss World. And the person is not healthy. And someone also can be on a large side. And the person is not what? Healthy. So health is not a function of size. So a church can have few members and it is not healthy. A church can have multitudes of people and it is not what? Healthy. It can also have few members and it is what? Healthy. And it can have multitudes of people and it is what? Healthy. Very perfect. Now, I want to show you something first before we go to number two. Go to second, no, go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Thank you, Lord. Acts 20, 28. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Now, I want everyone to follow. Follow this. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Right? Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, now Paul was addressing the elders in Ephesus. This was like his final speech before he died. So he was telling them, he says, be on guard for yourself. First of all, watch yourself. And then for all the flock. Right? Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, I need to pay attention to this because when I started talking about the healthy church, I first of all said that Jesus said, I will build what? Talk to me. Jesus said, I will build what? And I said the emphasis on, was on what? On my, not church. Because the word church is ecclesia and it means gathering. It was used for riot mob. We talked about that, right? It was used for wherever people gathered. So it wasn't like Jesus was emphasizing so much as on the gathering as he was emphasizing on the fact that this gathering is unto me. Now, look at this. Pay very close attention because when we talk about looking at a healthy church, we are also going to use what we are teaching now to judge our church. Whether we are healthy or not. We can be fine and not be healthy. You know somebody can have swag and he's sick. <laughs> you know that, right? Somebody can have very nice makeup on but have internal problems. So, you can, so having a fine building doesn't mean the church is healthy. Having good lights does not mean the church is healthy. Having digital speakers does not mean the church is healthy. So we're using the standards of the Bible. We also use it to judge ourselves. 
Now look at this. It says, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who made them overseers over the flock? Pay attention to that. Who made them overseers over the flock? So who makes a pastor an overseer over the church? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So the pastor is given to the church by the Holy Spirit. That's why your pastor is a gift to you from God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And that's why no matter how zealous you are, you must not be zealous to occupy an office that the Lord has not called you into. Because it's the Lord that makes them what? Overseers. Are we together? Are you together? To shepherd the church of God. Now, I need you to pay very close attention. Like I said, pay attention to details. He says, I've made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. He did not say, I've made you overseers to shepherd your church. He says, to shepherd what? The church of God. So he says, I made you overseers so you can shepherd my church. Remember what Jesus said, right? Which he purchased with his own blood. So the church belongs to no man. No man owns the church. Are you following this? The church is purchased by God, by his blood, and then he puts leaders in place. It's like, for instance, you own a store, you sell shoes. You have 20 stores. You now have sales boys, right? Now, those sales boys manage this shop, but they are managing it for who? For you. Or you've forgotten you own the shop. Okay, so they are managing it for who? Don't say for me. I don't have a shop. It's you that has a shop. I have church. All right? So they're managing it for you. Now, those people, you made them sales boys. Right? Over your shop. Now, if that man starts acting like it is his shop, that's when the problem starts coming. That's why the pastor must always be conscious. It's not my church. It belongs to him. Praise God. Now, what I want you to watch there is the fact that he purchased it with his own blood. Now, if this is the case, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I've told you several times, Make sure you have a good note for church services so you can store these teachings. Alright? Don't always come to church with... Uh, if the word of God is important to you, you will not... You know, <laughs> some jotas are funny. Eh? Jota where you are taught God's word, the living word of God. You use, I was there. Banco Jumbo... 2019. No. Go and buy a proper diary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And record your words. Because what we're going to talk about today affects that. Intentional discipleship. Because the things you're taught in church, you ought to be able to teach someone else. That's a sign of a healthy church. That's where we're going. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. By the way, I didn't see anybody's jota. I just said. So, just in case your jota looks like I was there, Mama, at 50. It's not because I saw your own. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. Look at this. For we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field. You're God's building. Paul is speaking. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. Now pay attention to this. He said, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. Did you see that? Church, did you see that? We have to be careful. You can't, you see, you can't just pastor the church of God anyhow. Say, this is how, I, this is my style. You can't have your style. There is a master plan that everyone must follow. And I think that's what has brought confusion to us, even as Christians, because people come out and say, this is the way God, you know, people will talk to you and say, you know, in ministry, everybody has their style. It's like the disciples of Jesus, 12 of them meeting Jesus. And Jesus sent them out to preach. And then they came back. He said, how was the preaching? He said, Jesus, you know, everybody, everybody has their style. So, we were teaching on the message of the kingdom. Then Bartholomew decided to teach on <laughs> seven steps to, to crossing River Jordan. And said, why did you do that? He said, you know, everybody has their style. We, we must not confuse personality types with ministry method. There is one message. There is one gospel. There is one aim given to everybody. And someone say, oh, your own is teaching. My own is prophetic. No. He did not say he has given teachers to equip the body of Christ and prophets to destroy them. He didn't say that. Both prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles are to do what? They are to do what? I didn't hear you. They are to do what? To edify. What does the word edify mean? To build up. That means... Every one of these gifts have one mission. Different operations of the Spirit, but the end result must be the same. Uh, I just pray the Holy Spirit allows me to teach what I want to teach. But let me build on this because I think it's important. Uh, I wanted to say how many of you went to primary school here. But, <laughs> but, okay, so let me not ask. Do you want me to ask? I should not ask. I should, not, I should ask. Okay. Okay, let me just ask. Because you insist that you ask. I didn't want to ask who you see I say Pastor ask, Pastor ask, Pastor ask. Okay, so alright, don't worry. But if you went to primary school, a good one. You know, because there are some primary school that you one teacher teaches the six classes. So you teach primary one. Uh, what do you teach primary one again? A for apple. A for B right here. A for apple. I'm coming. Then it goes to primary two. B is for ball. Then it goes to primary two. That's not the type I'm talking about. Okay? That, those are the days of early beginning. We're not teaching about early beginning school. We're teaching about a school that is standard. When you go to primary one, right? Let's say pastor is my teacher in primary one. I finished primary one. I know some teachers carry students and teachers to the same school. Like primary one teacher will follow primary one people and pass. She herself will now pass to primary two. That's not the kind of school I'm talking about. The kind of school I'm talking about is you are in primary one, right? When you finish primary one, you go to primary two. What happens? You meet another teacher, right? Then when, which class do they start teaching fraction? Primary what? Four, Okay. Now, you know, they've changed all those stuff to grade and something, but everybody should end up in the same way. Now, the point is, whatever this teacher taught me, my next teacher should do what? Build on it. Who said adjust it? 
<laughs> that becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's, why, that's why I was asking that who went to primary school. Okay. Alright. So follow me now. Now, primary three should do what? Build on it. Primary four should build on it. Now, you realize that a confusion comes when they taught you fraction in a certain way. Primary two teacher is teaching you fraction in a certain way. Primary three. You realize that at the end of the day, the student is what? Confused. So that's what the ministry gift ought to be. Every gift ought to build. If you meet a prophet, he should build on the foundation that is already laid. So at the end, whoever ministry gift you sit under, what's the end goal? That you are edified. Praise God. Are you still hearing this? Okay. So it says, so we have to be careful. Now, it's important that a teacher is careful how he teaches what? Any subject. The reason some of us don't like mathematics was because of the teachers. There's no problem with the subject. Okay? But then, how do you your club? X over Y, this is square root, 40. Do you understand? Yes. Two. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is what we used to do. We pick the master's book. That's a homework. New general mathematics. Eh? We go to the back. You went to school. What's the answer? Two. So we put the answer. Then we now start. Find, find any way. And you get to two. Now by the time the teacher is looking at the math, say, what did you do here? He himself is confused. You now say, everybody has his own method. But you realize that if we want to have a sane society, everybody cannot have their what? Their method. It's the same thing with the church. You cannot just carry yourself and be building the church the way you like and say, this is my style. You are not permitted. He says, let every man be careful how he builds. If as the members, we are watching if this man is careful, we will be able to put a lot, we will be able to put um, stop to a lot of things in the body of Christ. Praise God. Now, let's read on. Verse what now? Verse 11. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, what? Which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. So what's the foundation of the church? Now, please pay attention to this, and I think this is very interesting. The foundation of the church is not Jesus Christ because Jesus died for the church alone. The foundation of the church means that the church is built on the doctrine of Christ. You remember what um, Jesus told them in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, verse 27 and verse 44? Now, the, Jesus Christ is called the chief cornerstone. What does the chief cornerstone mean? The chief cornerstone was the stone in those days with which they set the boundaries of the building. That is the first stone from which everybody takes their measurements. That means whatever you are doing as a pastor, Jesus Christ is the one you take your what you call that stuff? Is it marking or what? You take your alignment from. It means that if Jesus is standing there and you are building here, you stand straight with Jesus. You cannot come and start building here and Jesus is there. Say everybody has their style. Are you following this now? What did Paul say? Follow me as I follow what? Is that what Paul said? 
Imitate me as I do what? Imitate Christ. You are not to follow any man who is not following Christ. That means if you, if you need to follow a man who follows Christ, Dami, uh, come quickly. Who is here again? Abisa, come. Quick. So that you get. But don't fall. <laughs> okay. So, who do we use as Christ now? By, by, by popular opinion, you have been voted. Please, this is an example. Alright, so you don't have Christ beers now. That's why we say, be fine. You say you don't want to be fine. When they are looking for example. Okay, so this is, let, let Christ come this way. Come this way. Alright, so this is Christ. Right? This is Christ. This is Paul. Alright? This is church member. Okay? Now, Paul says, you follow me as I follow Christ. That means the the permission you have to follow me is the fact that I'm following Christ. Now, this is where it is tricky. Not tricky, but this is where wisdom comes. If I don't teach him Christ, how will he know I'm following Christ? So, if I, if I block Christ, if I shield Christ, and everything I'm teaching him is about me, my style, my method, even if I stop following Christ, what will he do? If that's why the minister does not teach his experience. Paul says, him we preach. So what I should do to, to Dami is I'm teaching Dami Christ. What Christ believes. Who Christ is. I'm explaining Christ to him. So if peradventure as a man I make mistake and I stop following Christ. Is he safe or not? You think he's safe, right? Because he will be able to know that what? Hey, my pastor has stopped following Christ. What will he do? He has the right to stop following me because I did not die for him. I was employed. Do you follow this? So, that means the content of my teaching should be describing Abesar to him. What is his nature? His kind of person? What he likes? What he wants? So that when, if I'm not there, or he meets somebody else teaching something else, he would already be able to know who Christ is. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Do, you. do you follow that now? That's why Paul says, Him we preach. So the message of the church is Christ. <laughs> Praise God. That's the message of the church. Follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul says, for no man can lay a foundation. You can't come and start something else other than the one which is laid in. Remember, we're talking about what? The essential components of what? Hey, hey, hey. The essential components of what? So when you're looking at a healthy church, you're asking yourself, who do I see in this church? Am I seeing Christ? Is it Christ that has been talked about? Is it Christ that is being promoted? Is it Christ? Am I, be, am I knowing Christ more? Am I fellowshipping with the word more? Am I getting to know Jesus more? So that we don't, st- we don't, we don't just choose churches because that's where our parents went. Or that's where I was born. Or it's close to my house. You know, people are more selective of the schools their children will attend than the church they go to. Hmm? People are more selective of the school. Ah, my child cannot go to that school. I don't like their teachers. Church. Hey, this one, I just like this church. 
Ah, just cool. Even if you are tired, just enter. You just feel cool. <laughs> feel cool. <laughs> Nothing else. Eh? Some people just shoot shots for praise and worship. Hmm? See, they dance in that church. See, you will dance and forget your sorrow. <laughs> eh? Some people just shoot because they like the pastor. See, my pastor knows how to dress. Well dressed, but scripturally ignorant. Say, leave it. I like him like that. Eh? Some will choose church because of help. Say, I like that church. See, they don't teach. They don't, they don't they teach like that to nobody can help somebody. That means that church, once you are rich, their function in your life has stopped. Do you think that's why God built the church? That's not why. God built the church so that you would learn more about Him. Praise God. Alright. Can we just read this and finish this? Uh, okay. I think we can leave this. Okay. We've talked about, then you can go and uh, read on. Jesus talked about whatever you build, your work will be tested and your work will, if your work is burnt up, you will suffer loss. Hmm? But you yourself will be saved. But your work will suffer loss. And those who were part of your work also. You both will be saved. So you, let's read it. I think it's interesting. I think. Let's not rush some of these things. 12. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will be evident for the day will show it because it's to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So the quality of the church you're attending will be tried. Hmm? If any man's work which has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. But look at this. If any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so has true fire. Interesting. That some works will be burnt up. It's like, have you seen, um, have you seen wood that was painted like gold? Huh? Wood. Eh? And it painted very well. It looks like gold. Yeah? I think um, some few days ago, myself and Samir were driving, and we saw this lady. She carried a teddy bear. Big one. But like dog. So if you look from afar, you will think it's dog. But it's teddy bear. Huh? You know somebody can have a real dog like that. Now, you test both of them with bone. That's where we now realize that one is a teddy bear. And one is a real dog. You can build a church, and when God tests it, whatever you built is burnt up. And you look at what the Bible says. It says the quality. Let's go back again. Go back one more verse. Verse what is that? Verse 14. Was it, was it verse 14? No. Go to verse 13. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test what? The quality. It will test the quality of the man's work. So I'm testing you say it will test what sort of each man's work is this. If the quality will be tested, you should also make sure that you're testing it before you get in. And that's why Peter told Jesus, to whom shall we go? For you have what? The word of truth. Alright, so number two condition, sign, is intentional discipleship. Intentional discipleship. Number one is expository teaching. The scripture is open to you. Number two is intentional discipleship. Now, please, 
Mark this message in your notes, okay? Because after this, we'll take a bit of a break and then we're going to come back to it. So make sure you follow it. We have five, but we'll go through everything. Intentional discipleship is important within the body of Christ. It is a way to teach others about God's word, pursue them with an intentional love like Jesus, and lead them into a deeper relationship with God. So intentional discipleship simply means we teach others the word of God, we are intentional about loving them, and then we lead them into a deeper relationship with God. Intentional discipleship simply means that a church is concerned about leading each member to a deeper relationship with Christ. Either through small groups, through trainings, but there is an intentionality about it. It is not just preaching to the crowd. Remember what I said about the Great Commission, that the Great Commission is not just what? Just preaching. It's discipleship. What discipleship? A learner, a disciplined learner. Alright? Intentional discipleship is the effort to engage each member of the church in small group fellowship, discipleship groups, and accountability. Hmm? That's why of late I've been very I mean I mean we love people to come for meetings and everything, but you know sometimes when we have just few people coming for meetings, I just say, Hey, listen, let's let's let let our heart be on that. We disciple a few people. We di- we make sure this group is discipled. You see, one person who is discipled can change a generation. The reason I'm standing here and pastoring is because my father discipled me. That's why if you are close to a pastor, a minister of the gospel, and they are spending time on your case, blessed are thee, hmm? or blessed are thou, King James English. Intentional discipleship. So you are not just receiving Sunday sermons and going home. Somebody saying, hey, no, you can't do this. This is how to do it. This is what you should do. What's happening? That's training. Have you read your Bible today? When last did anybody ask you if you've read your Bible? Let's be honest. When last did anybody ask you, have you read your Bible? Even husbands don't ask wives. Wives don't ask. Huh? Coincidence, have you read your Bible today? Excuse me? Am I a small child? I'm telling you. But you see, that's not how the church was designed. We are supposed to, uh, we have to get all the scripture. We're supposed to look after each other's spiritual health. Are you following this? I mean, thank God my friend is here, but that's how we've lived in all the years. I'll talk about our story on Sunday before he preaches. That's how we've lived in all the years. We share one library. I went somewhere, I saw a book on pastoring. It was a very good book. I bought one copy for myself and I bought one copy for him. He wasn't there. But I knew that that it's something he would need for the work he's doing. That's how discipleship works. When last did you, did you share a message with someone and say, I think you need to listen to this message, Pastor Priest. There's something in this message. Can we, can, can we talk about it? Intentional discipleship. That's how the New Testament church was raised. Let's read some scriptures. Acts chapter 2 verse 46. Let's read some scriptures. Acts 2 46. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? I did not hear from you. Are you still here? Thank you. Acts 2.46 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you there? Day by day, continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. 
They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. What was happening from house to house? They were breaking bread. Not just natural bread, but what? Remember, they had been committed to the apostles' doctrine. So their homes were home of what? Fellowship. How many of us had those experiences in those days when we got born again? We went to visit brothers. What will happen? Oh, you didn't have that experience? What will happen? Talk to me if you had that experience. You guys will just start praying. I remember, uh, I'll show you the Bible on, sun, on Sunday, one of my Bibles. I was a youth copper then. I went to Pastor Paul's house then. They were living in Suleja in Mina. And we, we got talking about what we're going to do, preaching around the nations. Preaching around the nations. We were just talking about nations we want to go to. We started praying. Then we brought out magazines of pastors. We cut out pastors' picture. <laughs> it's still in my shelf. Then Bishop Oedebo, Reverend Kola Osho, Kenneth Higgin, with all my Bible was pastor's pictures, pastor's pictures, Bishop Noah Jones. And that's how, if we didn't go there and he was now saying there was one girl he met, there was not, no. Oh, we didn't go to his house and then his surprise birthday party, the only time you guys engage. So I'm planning a birthday party, surprise. So I will discuss afterwards, say, no, 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 this one is all night discussion. It's not, I don't want to make it really surprise. And then you'll be planning birthday surprise, you are planning a coup. Even your own heart of the person planning it, the surprise is even surprising you as you are participating in it. Very diligent, very intentional. Let's read Bible. No, you play audio Bible. If we listen, if we don't hold ourselves accountable for our spiritual growth, we don't really love ourselves in the love of Christ. It's natural love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you here? A healthy church. The members focus on each other's spiritual growth. Hey, I didn't see you in church. You don't need a follow-up department. You are intentional that people's homes become place for the word, place for discipleship, place for training. Let's look at this. Acts sixteen three. Acts chapter sixteen verse three. Someone say, "Oh, pastor, is the only Bible we can talk about?" <laughs> You know, we have this concept that, and I don't know who sold it to us, that the Bible is boring. Hmm? When I was in school, I listened to a tape by Bishop Wedeborn on the supernatural. Remember that message? The supernatural. I was so spoiled. I was so spoiled. I prayed all through the night. I was so spoiled. I started a morning devotion. Then, Pastor Paul was a, the way, he was a uh, vice president of a, of a campus fellowship. That set of us were so hungry for God. Their campus fellowship began to hold large services with television screen outside. I was not a member of a campus fellowship. I was a member of a campus fellowship, but not a leader. But I was so scared, I started a morning devotion in my compound. Diamond Villa in Abraka. And people were coming from afar. My morning devotion, I was having 70 people. 15 minutes of morning devotion. 70 people. The, the place will be packed. You don't need to be a pastor to touch lives if you are a disciple. That's your compound. You can set it on fire. Those teenagers around you, if you are intentionally discipled, 
You can begin to birth people to Christ. Are you there in the book of Acts? Chapter 16. Paul wanted this man. Who was he talking about? Timothy. Let's look at this. Uh, go up. Go up. Go to verse 1. Let's read verse 1. Praise God. Now, I want to show you another scripture, but let's read that first. Paul also came to Derbe and, and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. That means his father was not a believer. Now, it says, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Ecumen. Teenagers here, listen very carefully. This guy was a young teenager, but he was well spoken of. You know, some that would just take the teenage years to be a year of rascality. They don't worry, he's a teenager. That's how they behave. No. He was well spoken of by the brethren. His father was not a believer. To be, to be a teenager does not mean you have to be scattered. Eh? Jesus was 12. He was already asking questions of the Pharisees at, at 12. What are you looking for? Let's not always think that you know, so when we, and the mistake we also make is when we now have teenage services, we don't teach them the word. We now still be telling them to come and dance. They are teenagers now, they like dance. It's not what they like, it's what is good for them. In evil, they are matured. In, 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 in church, they look like they don't know anything. Hmm? Say, Pastor, I cannot be a leader. I cannot be a leader in the house of God. Though. But you have led many people to evil. Eh? What is discipleship? How did you learn how to smoke? That's discipleship. You were a disciple now. Did they, I mean, did you go to school and they say, these are types of cigarettes, this is how to smoke? It's not in the curriculum. But somebody took you by the hand. Say, I want to buy. Say, ah. If they catch me, say, don't worry. Stay there. I'll buy it. Meet me there. That's discipleship. That's, I mean, that's what discipleship is. <laughs> and then you draw the first one, you cough. See, now so, so that they cough. Just relax. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's follow up. That's follow up. That's uh, following. I mean, that's follow up. Say, now so that they cough. Say, just relax. Hmm? Then later, I give you peppermint. Just cool down. Then after, you know, I mean, before you know, you start buying. How did you learn how to smoke? It's not in any textbook. It's not a book. You didn't buy it. You didn't buy it. Somebody took you by the path, led you by the hand. Every evil you learnt, you were discipled into it. So if people will become righteous, we have to be in... You see, you ha, if you are not intentional about discipleship, we cannot bet mature believers. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? I, I bet you, any believer who is strong, there are two things. Either that believer has an extra passion for God, that God himself arranged teachers on his way, or that person had a believer who was so interested in him and took him by the hand and said, read this book, listen to this message, read this book, listen to this message. That's how people come to maturity. Look at it. Paul wanted this man to go with him. So Paul came and saw this young believer. He said, hey, 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 I want you to travel with me. And what happened? He took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So what happened? Paul took Timothy as his son. He wasn't his biological son. No, Paul wasn't married. He took Timothy as his son. 
And after many years, Timothy became the pastor of one of the largest churches, the Ephesus church. And Timothy was young when he became the pastor. That's why, they told, that's why Paul told him, let nobody despise your youth. Because as the man was passing, he said, well, this young boy, what does he know? So Paul had to tell him that, hey, oh boy, remember the gift. Stay up the gift. When I laid hands on you, something came on you. Stay. He had to encourage. You could see, if you read the book of Timothy, that what? He encouraged him. And I wrote an article, I don't know how many of you read it, on who will you call in prison. When Paul was in prison, of all the people that Paul pastored, of all the churches he planted, he didn't call anyone. He said, send Timothy. Bring him. He, Paul, Timothy knew where the items of Paul were. And Timothy knew that if, if he placed a demand, Paul knew if he placed a demand on Timothy, Timothy will show up in prison. It's not like you're going to visit your father at home. You're going to visit a political prisoner. Eh? Traveling the rough Roman roads in deep conditions, risking his own life to go and visit his spiritual father in prison. Then I asked the question. I said, if you were in prison, who would you call? And if you were called, would your father be rest assured that you would show up? Paul did not call Timothy when he was preaching from the pulpit. He called him in prison. Do you think, I ask you one question, this food for thought. Do you think if I'm in prison today in a distant country and they say call one person, do you think I'll call you? No, I mean, it's not, it's not a laughing. Do you think you are the first person to come to my mind? Or once I call you, say, hello, hello. Say, where are you? Sir, they have locked me up. They say, eh, hello? Network. Network. <laughs> Network. I mean, I'm gone. I'm telling you. So, so, <laughs> let's read. But it's, it will be a thing of joy for a pastor to be asked that kind of question. And he can say, you know what? Call this person for me. And if I give them one instruction, they'll follow. It's not like he sent him to bring those three terms. Then Paul na- Timothy now showed up with Job. You know, some people are like that. Very faithful. But their message is not always straight. So the father would think, if I call this person, he will come. But I might end up bringing scissors. So they leave him. So to become a son actually doesn't only mean that you have zeal. You should also have competence. Are you following this now? All right. Let's go to Acts 18.26. Acts 18.26. All right, let's, let's finish this. Remember, let's read very quickly. Acts 18.24. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandra by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scriptures. This man has been instructed in the way of the Lord. Look at that word again. Instructed. That means he was taught. He was discipled into it. And being fervent in the spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So he had limited knowledge. You, you can be bold with limited knowledge. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. And you know what I like about Apollos? What he knew he was bold about. Eh? Sometimes the reason falsehood spread in, in, in the body of Christ and in, and in nations is because those who know the real things are very quiet. They are just, ah, it's okay. But the false people, boldness everywhere. <laughs> you know, I, I saw one video clip of a very popular minister who was talking about some theological concepts. He, he missed... 
the definitions he missed them by a mile. He missed them by a mile. You know, he said, you know, hemonetics is this, homoletics is this, this one is this, this one is this. He said, you guys will not understand. He said, no, wah, papa. He said, you will not understand. He said, let me leave that in. That's mystery. Ah. The whole church, you were just shouting. And truth, the truth of the matter is that the first time I heard it, even me wanted to say, papa. And I said, wait, wait, wait. What did I say? You know what happened? You see, boldness sometimes can cover ignorance. Hmm? Someone will just teach some kind of statement. He said, you, you guys won't get it. It will take you 10 years. He said, deep. deep. What will take you 10 years? You have the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher in you. Do you understand? He said, sometimes eh, boldness does not mean the person is right. That's why when you interview criminals, not somebody who is stealing sweets, and I said, you are, not, you are just learning. When you interview a real criminal, even you would think that you are the one who stole. There is a confidence. There is a bold. You know, so, I mean, if person who shows the shaking, there's a boldness. So, so, boldness can cover a lot of things. And that's what happened here. Now, see what happened by discipleship. What's the next verse? Uh, okay, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, so they listened to what he said, they took him aside. <laughs> ah, my favorite couple in the scriptures. And explain to him the way of God more accurately. Do you realize it wasn't the apostles that did this? Who did it? Just couples in the church. That means those couples had been exposed to our number one exposition of teaching. And then number two, they had the boldness. Invited him to, his house, to their house. What happened in their house? Taught him the way of God. Just give him food. Oh, what do you like to eat? Oh, I, I like plantain and chicken. And just serve it. So, so that issue of uh, John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about the baptism of Jesus? And the couples. And, and you know what? Go to the next verse. And when he wanted to cross to Asia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. His ministry was turned around by a couple in the church who explained more accurately. So, in your house, if both of you are married, can you help someone know Christ more? You know, that's, this is a very big thing that happened here. It's like a guest speaker coming. And the guest speaker now goes to your house to eat. And you now teach the guest speaker more. That when he's now going to preach, he has gained better understanding. Alright, let's look at discipleship again. Acts um, no, let's look at 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5. Tensional discipleship. That is why every one of you must become a student of the word. 2 Timothy 1.5. For a man full of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm sure it is what? In you as well. What happened? They intentionally discipled their children. So, a healthy church is a church where the parents are disciples and they carry that on to where? To the home. That's what happened in Nehemiah chapter 8. You can go back and study Nehemiah chapter 8. The whole of Nehemiah chapter 8. That's what happened. Then if you go to um, Genesis 18 verse 19, God says, you can put that up. Genesis 18 19, God says, I know Abraham for he's going to teach his children to walk in my ways. You all of you are responsible for training your children 
in the way of the Lord. But you see this, if the church has not discipled you, how will you disciple your children? Hmm? Parents here, I wish I was saying this on a Sunday morning. Let your children see you reading the Bible. Let them see you take the Bible to church. Let them see you honor the word of God. This culture of thinking, I will live the way I want to live, and my children will serve God, does not work. Discipleship starts from your home. Hmm? You want your children to honor the church and serve God, but every conversation you have about the church on your way home is all the bad things. Blast the pastor. Blast pastor's wife. Blast pastor's children. Blast pastor's shoe. Blast the church members. They are hearing. So do you think they'll grow up already having just... And that's why if you want to have certain discussions, let your children go aside. Don't talk bad about church, bad about church members in prayer. Forget whatever they are preaching to them. That's what... You are their first priest. You are the one teaching them. And listen, discipleship is not just packing them, reading book or Bible story for them. And you know, you are praying before you sleep. Father, as we sleep, we will not die. Angel by our bed, angel by our right, angel by our left. We wake up tomorrow. You are not, you are joking. Joking. Eh? You joking. Think that that one is discipleship. You are playing with the devil. Eh? You think... When they are teaching children evil, they are that, they are that loose. Intentional. Intentional. <laughs> Intentional. Are you following this? Intentional. Romans chapter 16, verse 3. Romans 16, verse 3. Romans 16, verse 3. <laughs> Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. These people were so disciples, he called them my fellow workers. That means you don't need to be a pastor. Remember? Remember what we read about being fellow workers with God? First Corinthians. Hey, come on. Do you remember that? We are all fellow workers with God now. Helping God to get people to Christ. Intentional discipleship. These couples were... Uh, go, go to verse... Let's go to Hebrews. Chapter 3. I really want us to do this Hebrews. We can end up in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Intentional discipleship. And that's what we want to emphasize more as a church going forward. That's why we're starting the zone of fellowships. Right? We want, we want people to begin to get in groups and study the word of God. Galatians, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you in any one of you, sorry, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Hey, everybody, let's read verse 13 together. One to go. Verse 13. One to go. But encourage how many people? One. Encourage what? One another. That's our role. That's what we need to do. We need to encourage one another. As long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You ought not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We encourage one another. Hey, brother, don't, don't watch those things again. Hey, brother, don't listen to those songs again. We, we encourage each other so that we're not taken away by the deceitfulness of sin. There is accountability in discipleship. 
I should be able to see something my brother is putting up. You know, there's one of the young ministers that I'm, I'm discipling and mentoring. He posted something. He wasn't wrong. Alright? It was something written by someone. It wasn't like, the, the, well, it was, it was something written about somebody. But I just, so I, I inboxed him. I said, why are you putting that up? So he said, oh, I'll take it down, sir. That's, that's, that's accountability. That's accountability. We are one body. Praise God. We are one body. And, and if we learn to live that way, the thing is, we, we say we are one body when it comes to help and welfare. But when it is for correction, I know what I'm doing. Am I a small child? Because I join your church does not mean I don't have sense. <laughs> and that's where the problem starts. So we will see you self-destruct and we can speak to you. But that's not how the church was designed to work. The church was designed to work that we are all members of one another. Members of one another, not just to share in our prosperity, but to also share in our what? Correction. Rebuke. That's why I tell you, let me tell you this. If you want to benefit from the Christian race, submit yourself to discipleship. You will mature quickly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Submit yourself to discipleship. Submit yourself to accountability. It will help your work. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Alright, last scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Hebrews 10, 24. Thank you, Lord. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. That means that there is the possibility of wavering. There is the possibility of wavering. But she says, let's hold fast. And let us consider. What does the word consider mean? Let's think about it. If I say consider something, what am I saying? Right? Give a thought. Or what else? What else? Yeah, I think that's it. That's, 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 that's good. Give a thought about it. You know why I said let's ponder that? Because that's the key in that verse. It says, let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. So, if I'm looking at my brother, I'm considering how can I, how can I encourage my brother to walk in love and good deeds? That's, that's discipleship there. How can I encourage my brother to study the word of God more? Hmm? You know, today, we, we almost, oh God have mercy. We almost have built a culture where it looks like we Christians, our life is very pathetic. Ah, we don't have phone. You know, it's the way we also behave that make unbelievers sometimes don't want to join us. Hmm? Maybe you are somewhere now. You are in a compound. Hmm? You are in a compound, though, and you see people drinking, playing. You, you, you are a Christian. You will not sit and be looking like a child that's. You know, sit and be looking like a child that the father say, don't go and join them to play ball. Mm. Like, hey God, why, why did I, why did I get born again? See, we are for day. See, life. And before you know, you are even checking your leg. <laughs> the way they look at you, you just think it's just more shake it And it's the song you are done. You are, I mean, you are, you are, it's like you are missing the world. And you are like, ah God, how much sin can I sin and still make heaven? Show me the ratio. Like, I still want to groove life. I, I see life. And then you're not preaching to that person. 
You complain about going to church. You complain about prayer. You complain about speaking in tongues. You complain about the Bible. What, what do you think will join you in this your boring life? Complain about tithes. Everything about the church, you complain. Instead of stimulating one another to love, we stimulate one another to hatred for the local church. Hmm? Hmm. Look at this. Verse 25. Not forsaking, when he said good deeds, come not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some. So, the stimulating of one another to good work is to help correct these habits. Say some have the habits. Hmm? What's the habit? It's not coming to church. You know some people, COVID is still, still holding them back. Hmm? They'll go to school, no COVID. They'll go to markets, no COVID. Enter bus, no COVID. Go for visa, no COVID. Fly, no COVID. Sunday morning, COVID. Hmm? You know some people, the outcome of this COVID was that they cut off church. So, they can choose. They don't have a pastor anymore. They don't have a pastor. They can wake Anytime they wake up, they'll just go to Facebook. Who is doing live streaming? So, the first Sunday of the month, they can attend one church. Hmm? Online. See, I, I just see you in church as I was, I was present online. Then, second Sunday, they overslept their own service. They just choose. Hmm? Third Sunday, can just follow one prophet. So by the end of the month, there is no body of knowledge that has been learned. Confusion from different people. Then when you have submitted your own self to that confusion, you know, say, after all, I can serve God myself. Then before you know, say, how are you nice? I'm just worshipping my God by myself. <laughs> In your mind, you think you are wise. You know, there's a wisdom of this world that is foolishness. The God who says we should gather together knows why he said we should gather together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even in, in nations where there's massive persecution, they still gather on the ground. They call them the underground church. They still find a way to gather. So saints, intentional discipleship is the way to build mature believers. And when that discipleship is established, you will now turn your house to a discipleship center. It does not mean go and start a church. What the Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos was what the apostles taught them. Are you following what I'm saying? So what you are taught, what did Paul say? These things are taught to you. Do what? Commit to who? Faithful men who are able to what? Teach others. The same things are taught you. So I want you to think of it. This year, I want you to... Two things I want you to do this year. Be conscious about the Great Commission. Be conscious about getting sinners saved. And be conscious about establishing them in church. And discipling them in the faith. And that also means you yourself. You should develop yourself to the point where you are matured, you are rooted, and you are grounded in the Word. Hallelujah. Study. Get the materials again. And study them. Praise God. Let's, let's pray. 
Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you take these words, you'll engrave them in our hearts, and we'll leave them out practically in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, um, two quick announcements in very, very Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.